Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you on Time Change Sunday. I'm proud of you for getting up and making it out. There's, there's no other group of people I would rather elbow than you guys. I'm so glad you're here today. So thanks for braving the uh, coronavirus scare, right? Well, I hope you look in your program and pull your outline out and follow along and take some notes uh, as we're wrapping up this Baddish series today. In Respectable Sins, a book by Jerry Bridges, he said, may we be as severe with ourselves over our own subtle sins as we are with the vile sins we condemn in others. In other words, he says, let's be as, let's be as hard on our own sins as we are on everybody else's. Let's look at ourselves first. And in this series, we've been looking at this idea that so many of us, we, we, we look down on people for their big sins, but we kind of excuse the little sins, the quote, little sins, the subtle sins in our life. And we know all sin damages us, right? And we've looked at things like being discontented, lack of self-control, pride and selfishness. And so we've chosen very intentionally to look at some of these sins that infect all of our lives and that damage our relationships and our witness. And today we're looking at a particularly insidious sin, impatience. Now I have to be honest, when we were uh, sitting around as a team and deciding who was going to give what message and I was assigned impatience, my heart kind of sank because I knew two things right away. First of all, I knew it was going to be a really tough week. I don't know, whatever it is you're speaking about just seems to highlight in your life. I had a lot of opportunities to be impatient this week, if you know what I mean. I had extra opportunities. Also, my heart sank because I'm not a very patient person, so I don't want to stand up here like I got it all together when it comes to patience. I knew I wasn't the greatest example of patience. I mean, I can hold back the outward displays, but I can tell you a lot of times in my heart, I am not a very patient person. So it's been good for me to look at this and study this this week. And there's obviously things that trigger all of our impatience, trigger all of us. I mean, some things are just so obvious, right? Waiting in line, kids, teenagers. You can learn many things from your children, right? I mean, it'll teach you how much patience you really have. There's other triggers we all have, like when people are late, or maybe dealing with your parents, or procrastination, traffic, waiting for your wife, or your husband, right? Whatever it might be. I love the story of the little girl. She came to service at Crossroads, and the pastor was just going on and on. She was getting so restless. And finally, she whispered loudly to her mom, Mom, if we just give Pastor Paul our money now, can we go home? You know? And we all smile at this cute little story about impatience, but impatience is not something to smile about. It's really something that oftentimes we kind of excuse, but it really does mess up our lives. We think it's not as bad as adultery or murder or theft, but it creates unnecessary stress, it damages relationships, and it prevents us from truly enjoying life. And look how seriously the Apostle Paul takes patience. I mean, picture this. He's sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison. First of all, if I was sitting in prison, I'd be very impatient. I'd also be worried, but I'd be very impatient. But he's sitting in jail, and he's thinking about this church in Ephesus, this young church that he helped to start, and he wants to share some things with them. He's praying for them, and he writes this letter. And look what he says here in chapter 4. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So he says, live a life worthy of your calling. What's he worried about? He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Can you underline that? 
be patient with each other. I mean, he thought this is so important. He's sitting in prison. This is what he wants to remind them. And he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Whether it's your family or your workplace or the highway or the church, when people get all impatient, it creates division. It divides people. And God wants his children to be one. He wants us to be united. And Paul said it's so important. You've got to fight for this. God wants the church to stick together through thick and thin. And he knows that pride and impatience are something that Satan can use to drive a wedge in relationships. And we've been thinking ahead, you know, as a, as a staff, we've been thinking ahead in just a few months. We announced this week at our night of worship, our first official service together with our Echo Fremont campus here all together. Well, actually, it's going to be at the park. Is the first Sunday in July. We're going to have our service in the park. And then after that, we'll be meeting here together. And so we think about, wow, two or three hundred more people coming to the campus. It's going to be a little more crowded. It's going to be more parking issues. There's going to be more opportunities to, to rub each other the wrong way and have a little friction. And we all have to be patient. If we're just patient and we stick together and we stay united in the end, it will be beautiful and it will bless all of us. And we're doing this because we believe God wants us to do this. We believe we can reach more people together. But we have to stay patient. We don't live in a patient culture. Everything in our society is now, now, now. I don't want to wait. Hurry up and get me my stuff. Get me what I want. And we're all in a rush. I was trying to think of a, of a good example. Like, just think about every day how many people are hurt or killed or injured, how many dollars it costs just for people running red lights. I couldn't find any recent statistics, but from about 20 years ago, they said billions of dollars a year and hundreds of lives, just from people rushing impatient, running red lights. And just imagine the damage we cause in other areas. And I think throughout the Bible, we see that impatience is like the gateway drug of sins. It's like the gateway sin. Impatience leads to so many other sins in our life if we don't deal with it. And so we, we see this over and over. And so you can write down some of the dangers of impatience is we get ahead of God. We get ahead of God. We don't, we don't like our life circumstances. We don't like the way things are. We're impatient. Well, God, why don't you take care of this? Or I, I want to make this happen sooner. And we don't trust God's timing. And we can get ahead of God. Maybe you're struggling financially. And maybe you say, ah, some people would cheat or steal. But maybe you say, I would never cheat or steal to get ahead financially. But maybe you would overwork. Maybe you would spend money that you don't have and, and because I'm not willing to wait. And so you overextend yourself. And so we get ahead of God. Or maybe you're single. I've seen this in people's lives. And you so desperately want to be married to a godly person. But you get impatient. And next thing you know, you're compromising. And you wind up dating someone who's a great person, but they don't love the Lord. And I see it time and time again. They tend to pull you away from God when you wind up getting married. And so you get ahead of God. And we can see so many stories in the Bible. Just if you could look when uh, Israel, when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God, and it took a little longer for him to come down. And the, the people got impatient, and they they started worshiping an idol, and they got God's wrath. So we get ahead of God. Um, when we demonstrate this inability to tolerate delay, we're telling God, "I don't trust you. I don't trust your timing." And that's just our human nature. Uh, another danger of impatience is stress. Uh, I, know when you're I know when I'm impatient, I'm sure when you're impatient, your blood pressure starts going up. 
You get a little knotted up. You get a little irritable. It, it affects you physically, not just emotionally. So it's not good for your health. And a lot of times the things that we're stressed about are, are things I just call stupidity. You know, people doing things without thinking about others. Like I, I was in line just a few days ago at the supermarket in the express line. And I never know how to count bananas, by the way. If I Bananas, is that one item or is it six? I'm, I'm not sure. It's one. Okay, one. Thank you. Okay. I have a clean conscience now, but I'm in the express line, and I'm, I, I count very only have eight things, and I notice the person in front of me, they have 15 or 16 things, and I find myself getting a little impatient. I don't know about you, but follow the rules, dude, and I find myself getting a little stressed, and I was like, oh, this is a good, this is a good opportunity for me to practice what I'm going to be preaching this week. I need to be patient, right? <laughs> Also, stress damages relationships. Again, we see it over and over in the Bible. We see it all the nation of Israel is like an example of our lives to us. And they got so impatient with God. They got so impatient with Moses. And it damaged their relationships with each other, with Moses, with God. And there's something about impatience. When we get annoyed at someone's faults and failures. And a lot of times they're unintentional faults and failures. But we get annoyed. You know, when we're out in society, we're polite. But when we're around our family, sometimes we tend to say things that we wouldn't say to other people, right? It's, it's kind of sad that sometimes in our impatience, we hurt the people that we love the most. And we, we kind of go off on them. We say things that are hurtful. And nothing seems to test our patience like those people who are closest to us. I mean, did anyone lose their patience today getting ready to come to church? You ever experienced that? Yes, thank you. I, I've, man, I've... My, that's why my wife and I often drive separate cars, you know, because it <laughs> stops a lot of impatience, right? So it, it's hard. You know, we, we get on each other's nerves, and if we're not careful, we hurt each other with the words we say. And these triggers, they're, they're all things we can't control. Getting impatient, doesn't, it doesn't fix anything. I mean, when I get impatient in traffic, it doesn't suddenly part, and now I can just drive. I, I just sit there and stew, Right? And then think about somebody in your life you know who, who you say, man, that's the most patient person I know. Think about the qualities in their life, how they, they have the same problems you do, but they figured out a way to deal with it in a more calm and peaceful way without ramping up and making things worse. worse. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you like to be like that person? Wouldn't you like to have more patience? And we can't excuse our impatience. We can't just say, well, that's the way I am, or, oh, that's living in the Bay Area, so crowded, God should understand. No, over and over, the Bible says to be patient, be patient, be patient. So if the goal is patience, how exactly does the Bible describe it? What, if, what does that mean? What does God want us to do? Well, there's two words in the New Testament. They're closely related. They're kind of like cousins. And one means to like remain under, remain under pressure or remain under stress. But you, you can endure it, that idea of endurance or perseverance. And another word means like you have a short fuse takes a long time before you blow up. You, you, can, you can put up with things or people for a long time. And again, look what Paul, look what Paul wrote. When you, when you think about, you, we all know that what does God want most for us? He wants us to love him and he wants us to love others, right? It's about love. And Paul wrote this beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 13. And look what it says. You're, you all know this passage. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And it goes on to list all the things about love, all these amazing qualities. You ever thought about, why is the first thing he said patience? Why is it patience? Because so often when we're not patient, we damage relationships. Patience is essential for 
a loving relationship to flourish. And I was at a conference one time, and a speaker asked us to do something very convicting. I challenge you to do this. Go home today, open up this passage, read it to yourself. You can do it. Take a moment right now. Let's just start. Everywhere it says love, put your name. In fact, I challenge say it out loud with me. Well, I'll just read the first few lines together, okay? Say, will you read with me? Just humor. I know you're all a little sleepy, but, you know, let's... So, Dwayne is patient. Ouch. <laughs> Dwayne is kind. Dwayne does not envy. Dwayne does not boast. Dwayne is not proud. You know, put your name in there. Are you, would you be described as loving? I mean, God is love, and it's so important. So, you put your name in there. And yeah, it's human nature. I mean, nobody likes to wait. God's not saying you got to be happy about traffic or waiting or problems with your family. But, but what he's saying is you can choose how you respond to these things outside of you that are beyond your control. You can learn to choose to respond. And God uses these waiting seasons. Our, he uses these times to try our patience to stretch us and grow us. And uh, Richard Hendricks, he said, second only to suffering. Waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, and genuine spirituality most of us ever encounter. God will use it in your life to grow you and shape you to become more like Christ and more loving. And so if we want to be more patient, it's going to require that we have a paradigm shift. We need a paradigm shift. And a paradigm is basically the way you look at things, the way you look at life, the way you see things. It's sort of like the lenses you look at life through, maybe your sunglasses, whatever tint you have. You know, you could have yellow tint or pink tint or blue tint. Where you've got this tint that you look at life with. And that's how you see everything through. And to, to be more patient, we've got to change the way we look at things. So patience is a result of being delayed from what I expect to have, whether circumstances or things. It's my impatience with a delay in having what I want now. And so it starts as this thought process of unrealistic expectations. Almost this idea that I expect the world, sounds kind of silly to say it out loud, but I expect the world to kind of revolve around me and everything to go smooth for me. And when it doesn't, now I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm angry, and I'm mad, and I kind of ramp up. The intensity of our impatience tells us how much we think we need to achieve our own agenda right now and how much we're not trusting God's timing for our life. And we don't only, we, we have expectations on people, but we also place unrealistic expectations on God. And some of you, you're, you're so disappointed with God right now for some things that haven't happened in your life. You know, you're, you're struggling to even hold on to your faith. You're struggling to hold on to God. And so we've got to change the way we look at things. Stephen Covey, the leadership guru, he said, if you want to make minor changes in your life, work on your behavior. But if you want to make significant quantum breakthroughs, work on your paradigms. So what's he really saying? He said, if you want to make minor changes, try to change your behavior. Try, to, try not to verbalize and be so expressive when you're impatient. Try to change some outward things. But if you really want to have big changes, he says you got to change the inside. If you want to make small changes, focus on the outside. But if you want to make big changes, you got to change the inside. I've got to change those lenses I look at life through. And you know the truth is, most of you are just like me. You can't do it by yourself. And God knows that. He knows, he knows you and I need help to change the way we see the world because we're broken and we're sinful and we're living in a world that's painful and difficult. And the good news is God promises to help us. 
When you invite Christ into your life and you begin to obey him, the more you obey him, when you invite Christ in your life, the Bible says God sends his Holy Spirit to live in your life. God's Spirit is in you. You don't become a puppet. He doesn't manipulate you, but you have his Spirit to help you. You have access to his power. And the more you obey him, the more you try to follow him, the more that God will, the, the Spirit will fill you, the more he'll influence you, the more you'll kind of hear his or sense his nudges to do this or don't do that. And Galatians says this, the fruit of the Spirit, when you have God's Spirit working in you, it's love, joy, peace. This makes me really uh, impatient here because that word forbearance, when I memorized this verse in the NIV, the word was patience. Somebody, they retranslated this somewhere. That's another word for patience. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, God wants to help. He knows you need help. It's one of the things he'll produce in your life if you look to him and you admit you need help and you try to obey him. And so he wants to help you. And so he wants to help you make three major shifts in how you see the world. First, he wants you to shift how I see myself and how you see yourself. Shift how I see myself. Pride is kind of this... All pride is not bad, but when we have this sinful pride, it's like we have this overinflated view of ourselves and how other people should respond and make my life easy. And when someone someone does something that could be rude, wrong, I mean, it's it's not wrong that you don't like it. Again, impatience is how you react to it. Somebody cuts you off or cuts in line or takes your place, and you go, "Wow, how dare they? I deserve better treatment." And your pride kind of starts because, man. I shouldn't have these kind of problems in the world because I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. People shouldn't treat me like that. Well, you know, one time Peter, he came to Jesus and he said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Should I forgive him seven times? In fact, what, what Peter's really saying is how patient should I be with my brother? How, how much do I have to put up with? Just seven times, would that be good, Lord? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And he starts telling him this story. And he said, there was this master and one of his servants owed him a huge amount of money. And the master decided, today it's time to collect his debt. And so he calls the servant in, and he says, man, I need you to pay me my money. And the guy goes, oh, I, I, you know, there's no way this guy could ever pay it back. It was millions and millions of dollars. The guy goes, oh, be patient with me. Be patient with me, he begged. Look there on your outline. Now, you don't have the whole passage there, but he says, be patient with me. I encourage you to underline that phrase. Be patient. I'll pay back everything. See, the master was gonna, said he was going to sell him and his wife and his kids and everything he had to pay the debt. And this, this poor servant said, be patient with me. He was, and the master said, I should read this. The master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. I mean, he didn't just say, okay, I'll give you a little more time. I'll lower your interest rate. He wiped out the debt. Can you imagine? I mean, wouldn't you like to wake up tomorrow and the bank call you and say, oh, I'm going to wipe out all your debts. No more mortgage, no more car payment, whatever you have. He forgave everything, huge amount. And so it says, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. I don't know if he was looking for him or he ran into him. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. So this guy didn't really owe him that much. Compared to what the the first servant owed, it wasn't much at all. But this first servant, it says, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. He said, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. He said the exact same thing the first servant said. It just said. But the first servant refused. 
Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? When the master heard about that, he called the first servant in, and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And then Jesus said something very scary. He said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You know, we're... When we get impatient and we go off and we're so mad at somebody else, so often we're like the first servant because we forget how much God forgave us for. That God forgave us everything. Now we want to hold on to these little debts somebody else has for us. Does that make sense? You guys awake? I want to see some heads moving. All right, okay. All right, I think you guys are awake. <clears throat> so he's like, man, how could you do this? If you don't, if you don't exercise patience with others, God's not going to show patience to you. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, don't forget this. And you might write this word to the side right now. The word that kept coming to me is reflect. Reflect. Reflect on what God has done for you. Next time you're impatient, reflect on what God has done for you. How many times he's forgiven you. And then be a little more forgiving to that person who's violating, maybe sinning against you right now. Be a little more patient. It doesn't mean be a doormat. It doesn't mean if somebody in your life's constantly abusing you. You go to them, you talk to them about it, you try to set some boundaries. But what Jesus is saying is you don't carry this grudge and you don't act back on them when you've received all this mercy and grace. See, if we're, we're honest, we're all, we all mess up sometimes. We all, we all screw up sometimes. Sometimes it's just by accident. We didn't mean to, but people get mad at us. Sometimes we get mad at people. They, they mess up. Maybe it was on purpose. Maybe it wasn't. We get mad at them. We don't know what they're thinking. But we need to shift how we see ourselves. See, in, in our impatience, my own knee-jerk reaction causes me to want to lash out, to push back, to escalate the situation, maybe with my words. And I say some things that, that hurt others, and I need to slow down and pray and look at myself and reflect. What's broken about me that I reacted like that? How have I forgotten what the master forgave me for? Why am I reacting this way? Is it my pride? Is it about me? Is it about them? What's going on? Is my life too busy? Is my schedule too full? I'll tell you what, I'm a lot more impatient when I got a busy schedule, more things than I can get done in a day. Maybe I've overbooked my schedule. Maybe I need to slow down. See, we point the finger at everybody else, and, and, but we want them to understand us, but we don't extend that understanding. We want them to have patience with us, but we don't see our own sins. Jesus said, reflect. One time he said, get the, get the log out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else's eye. Reflect and think, what did the master have to be patient with you about? We all had a debt we could never pay back for our sins. What, did, what, what was the debt we couldn't, what have we done? See, when I go through life looking at my paradigm is, hey, it's all about me and my rights and how dare you treat me that way, I see a lot of irritations and interruptions. But when I look at it through this lens of God has graciously and mercifully forgiven me, and I look at it through that lens and his lens, I start to see opportunities and appointments. But I got to shift how I see myself. Now, just a little side note, it's like almost a whole nother message, but some of you are really impatient with yourself. Like, you're really hard on yourself. And I'd encourage you to read that story and say, how does God see you? God, God he's willing to forgive you for everything. Don't keep beating yourself down. Second thing, shift how I see others. I got to shift how I see it. If I change the way I see myself, it helps me to look at others differently. 
You know, one time Jesus was on the road with a couple of his disciples, and they were going through Samaria. It was like the short way to go, but the Samaritans and Jews, they really didn't like each other. They hated each other, and uh, they're traveling, and, you know, Jesus is preaching, trying to share God's love, and James and John tried to find a, a hotel, a place for them to stay for the night, and the Samaritans refused to allow them to stay in their city, and so they're going back down the road, and uh, look what it says. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? A little impatience, right? Come on, you've had that thought on 880 before. Call down some fire, burn them up. And to think about the irony, Jesus is on this, they're on this mission trip trying to share God's love, and then they get mad because it doesn't go their way, and they want to destroy him. Contrast that with the week before Easter. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He looks out over the city. He knows, he's thinking about all these people who are, who are just in a few days going to be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But it says, as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. He didn't, he felt for these people who were so lost, so messed up in their own brokenness, their own impatience. I'll be honest, the only time I weep is when, when I see a crowd is when I pull into the Costco parking lot. I get a little, few little tears. Oh gosh, it's going to be rough. Well, we need to see others how Jesus does as someone made in the image of God and loved by him. People annoy us, they irritate us, they make us crazy, and instead of choosing to react impatiently, instead of making assumptions about them, we need to stop. We need to slow down. It's like this man, he he ran into the doctor's office, blew past the receptionist's desk. He ran into the examination room. The doctor's in there with a patient. And this man interrupted the doctor and he says, Doc, you got to help me. I think I'm shrinking. You got to help me now. The doctor calmly responded. He said, Now stop. I'll get to you as soon as I can. You'll just have to be a little patient. Okay. Come on, people. Exercise a little patience right now. Okay. That was there for a test. That was a test. All right. You have to slow down. You got to stop. You got to reflect. When was the last time your heart broke over some irritating person in your life who doesn't know Jesus? You know, when was the last time? And I want you to watch a video, uh, a story that will help you to maybe shift your perspective about how you look at others. So watch this with me. I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one Sunday morning on a subway in New York City. People were sitting very quietly, some reading, some resting with their eyes closed. Suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway car. The children ran yelling through the car, throwing things, grabbing people's newspapers. Their father sat down near me and closed his eyes and did nothing. I felt irritated. I could not believe he would let his children run wild like that. After a few minutes of patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you could control them just a little more. Yeah, you're right. I should do something. But we just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago, and I guess they don't know how to handle it. Yes, I don't know how to handle it. Can you imagine how I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, 
I thought differently. I felt differently. I acted differently. My irritation vanished. Compassion flowed freely. I wanted to help instead of criticizing and complaining. I just thought that's a pretty powerful story that we just don't know what other people are going through when they irritate us and violate our rights. We don't know what might be going on in their life. Maybe they just got some bad news. Somebody has cancer. Somebody died. Maybe they're losing their job. Maybe they're losing their house. I, I don't know. We don't know. Some people are just mean and rude and selfish. Let's be honest. I mean, we don't know, but let's don't assume we know. And I even thought, you know, somebody who's just going through life, pushing their way in, and they don't care about you, you know, me, me, me. Can you imagine how sad and miserable their life must be, though, to face all their problems without God, without Jesus? And Jesus would look at them and he would weep for them. And he wants us to look at people differently. Robin Williams said, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. Jesus put it this way, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I mean, we all mess up sometimes. When we mess up, we hope people will be patient with us, don't we? And Jesus said, in all things, treat people how you want to be treated. Change the way you look at others. Shift it. And then the third thing is you have to shift how you see God. You have to shift how you see yourself, shift how you see others, shift how you see God. And again, this is God working with you. You cooperate with him, his spirit filling you and helping you to grow your patience. And we think God should act on our schedule. Oh, I do a lot of times. I get frustrated with God. I have words with God. We think he should fix things the way we think he should fix things. And when he doesn't, we get impatient. We start to wonder, where's God? And James reminded us, uh, he said, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Wait patiently until Jesus comes back. He said, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You know, a farmer's waiting for the crop. Sometimes you can't see anything happening. He's just waiting. He's trusting in faith. James said, you should be like that, waiting on God. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. See, he says, be patient. Wait, you don't know what God is doing. If you know, remember the story of Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died. Martha was so upset with Jesus. She said, if you had just come, if you had just come, you could have healed my brother. But Jesus delayed on purpose. God was doing something else, and Jesus raised him from the dead. You know, as a church, we, 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 we obeyed God. We sacrificed. We raised money. And five years ago, we signed a contract, and we started building this building. We started the process. And within a few weeks of signing the contract, we found out that our contractor went behind our backs and broke the deal, did things different, did things wrong, caused delay and expense overruns. But they thought it would be better, but it wasn't. And we, we had to wrestle with them for almost two years. It was just such a mess. It made, it made it so difficult. And then finally it got so bad we had to fire them. And I can't tell you how many times we were impatient with God. We've been in, and now we've been in court for three years. Can you believe that? And so tomorrow, the trial is starting. I mean, we've been waiting for some justice. The facts are on our side. It's a jury trial. We don't know what's going to happen. But man, there's been times like, God, why? Why is this so hard? Why do we have to wait? Why don't you fix this? But you know, I have to look back all through the Bible, all through my life. I know God's been at work the whole time. It's a miracle we even finished this building. God's been with us. He's been teaching things. He's been growing us. Remember we said, waiting will grow your faith. 
At the night of worship, Pastor Paul asked us all to set an alarm for 7.14 every day, either a.m. or p.m. 7.14 to remind us of what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. It says, if my people will humble themselves and turn from their sins and call on me, I'll hear their prayers and I'll help them. And we want to ask you to be praying for us these next three weeks that God would make things right. See, when we, when we look at the future and, our, and we let our impatience kind of shake our faith in God, we start wondering whether it's at work. We, we begin to fear. Fear is looking at the future without God. Fear is when you look ahead and you think, oh, where's God? Where, is he really with me? And man, you're going to be afraid. Impatience is looking at the present. It's looking at today without recognizing God. The next time you're impatient, slow down. Ask God to help you, help you to see, help you to trust, to see where he's at work and trust he's working behind the scenes. You know, God's, God's never going to come too late. In fact, a lot of times God comes at just the last minute. He stretches your faith out. But I'll tell you, God is good. God is loving. He's kind. He's just. Things don't always go the way we want. But God's good. God loves you. Whenever you doubt God loves you or he's good, just remember the cross. Remember about what God has done for you and for me. And even in the midst of delays, God's at work and he wants to grow us. And I want you to think about patience from God's perspective. Change how you think about God. See, Peter wrote this. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. See, they were getting impatient. They were being persecuted. Life was hard. Jesus said he was going to come back. And they're hoping he'd come back soon and make things right and take them to heaven. But Peter said, instead, he's patient with you. You underline that phrase? You ever stop? See, we think about everything from our perspective. God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why are, why are you making us wait? You ever think about what God's waiting on you for? He's patient with you. Peter said, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's waiting for more people to say yes, to open up their lives to him, <clears throat> to receive Jesus. God's waiting on, on so many people, and he's waiting on his people to do what he's called them to do. And Peter says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know. It's like you don't know when somebody's going to rob your house, or you'd be there waiting for him, right? But it says he's going to come back unexpectedly. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The Bible teaches us one day Jesus is going to come back. Everything's going to be made right. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But we have to patiently wait. We have to trust God. We have to remember what God's done for us and his patience. And I want to challenge you to think about your life and God from that perspective of what has he been patient with you about? What has he forgiven you for? Think about all the sins you've ever done in your life. What is, how patient has he been with you? And what is he being patient with you about today? I mean, maybe you're here today and you haven't invited Jesus into your heart yet. And God's just, Jesus is waiting, patiently waiting. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Christ and God's been saying, you need to deal with this sin in your life. Or you, I'm being patient. I'm not, I'm not going off on you, but you got some sin in your life. Maybe you've got some impatience or some anger, some discontentedness, some lack of self-control. I'm waiting. Maybe God, you know, God's asking you to invite a friend or share your faith, but you're not doing it. God's waiting. Maybe God's asking you to serve somebody or get on a team, and he's just waiting. Maybe he's asking you to forgive somebody, 
And he's waiting, patiently waiting. Maybe God's waiting on you to get in the game, to get baptized, to declare your faith. I don't know what it might be, but God's waiting patiently for you. But he's not going to wait forever. So can we pray together? And Lord, we thank you for your patience with us that none of us deserve. We owed a debt that we could never repay, and yet you forgave us. And God, you're still patient with us, still working on us, still giving us time to grow and become more like Christ. And I pray that you would stir up our hearts, grow our faith. God, help us to listen to your spirit and obey so that we can be filled and we can be more patient, more loving, more kind. Would you help us, God? All the challenges. It's hard living here on this earth, God. We, we can't do it without your help. And Lord, help us to see, see the world, change the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, and the way we see you. And fill up our lives with your patience and help us to share it with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.